listening to Raices Verdes, a platform dedicated to validating, archiving, and sharing the experiences of people of color, indigenous people, and other marginalized voices in connection to the environment. My name is Samara Almonte, and before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the ancestral lands that we're recording on. Today, I'm recording on Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi traditional lands, and I did not ask for permission to be here today. So I'm really excited to record for today's episode. Last episode, I was with one of my summer roommates, Tiffany, and today is my other roommate for the summer, Alexis Hamilton. She is a rising senior in environmental science at FAMU, um, a historically black institution, Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, and they are originally from Southfield, Michigan. Hi, Alexis. Hello. Thank you for having me. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yes. Okay. Well, um, kind of how I like to usually start the podcast out is asking people, what do you consider your green roots or roots? Um, but yeah, how, what do you consider your green roots or like connection to the environment? Your family's maybe history to the environment? Mm-hmm. Just that sort of thing. Um, I think as far as green roots go, when you say that, I think most about my grandfather and he... Well, he grew up on a farm, and then sort of like my grandmother, like, you know, they're like 10, 12 brothers and sisters and everything. So when I think about, like, my green roots, I feel like I really think about him and the garden that he started um, in his own backyard. And then eventually when he started, like, the garden in my backyard. And um, I think he fostered, like, a certain curiosity in, like, my mother and then also, like, in us to be, like, outside in nature and to grow things and, and like, that that kind of thing. So... He's the beginning of my green roots, so. Um, I know you're pretty close with your family. Do you all, like, do any sort of, like, camping trips, like, outdoor type of stuff, <laughs> like, a year, like, once a year at least, or anything like that? We camp in my house sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we camped in my basement, you know. Like, um, we have a pretty large backyard, so, like, we, um, we have, like, many adventures back there. Like, but nothing, nothing extreme. We have, like, a pretty, we have a... A garden that we just started kind of like working on like raising like making raised beds and starting like um when you have like the rain barrels so we like hooked it up to like our shed to like col- collect the water and like the barrel to like water like the garden we have outside and um i don't think we like being outside but we don't we've never never necessarily gone hiking or camping or anything right. so <laughs> i mean those those things take a lot of like equipment and yeah. time and it's hard and stuff um, so yeah, I think it's really good that you brought up the story of your grandfather because today's episode focuses on farming as generational wealth, um, mostly because of the work that I know you're doing this summer, but mm-hmm. I'll let you kind of introduce that more. So um, just context, I know Alexis because we're both part of the Doris Duke Conservation Scholars Program, which I mentioned in one of the Instagram posts, but it's directed by Dr. Dorcita Taylor at the University of Michigan, an environmental justice scholar. So for this summer, can you just tell us a little bit about your placement and kind of the connection it has to farming? Of course, of course. So first off, health is wealth, my babies. All right, just (laughs) 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 farming is wealth, it's health. There you go. Like, that's the end of it. No, that's it. So um, right now I am currently interning at Growing Hope in Ypsilanti, Michigan. It is an urban farm and they are focused on like writing essentially the wrongs of like food disparities and uh, food deserts and like food injustice, like that kind of thing. 
So there's like a lot of different ways, you know, to work against those kind of systems. Like, oh, like bringing awareness or literally getting in and like lobbying or like being hands on in the way that they're literally working on the farm, growing this food, giving it to the people in these communities, helping these people learn how to grow um, their own um, vegetables and foods like in their own yards. There's a program that I really specifically, I know we've talked about this one like a lot, but I was like, I really like the program where they had the people who work at Growing Hope um, essentially fill this truck full of like compost and plywood and all the tools and like some seedlings that we started and you ask that person like hey um, okay so you want to grow a you want to have a garden in your backyard you don't necessarily have the know-how the means completely understandable um, what is it that you want to grow and then you're like you know what I want some cabbage you know I want some string beans and those things that we've started in our own um, in our own like greenhouse um, propagation house then we take all those tools and materials and we bring them to your house and we build we build a bed we fill it with dirt and we set up the um we set up the seedlings and then one of the like the farm specialists she actually comes back and revisits like those farm like well um those raised beds that we built so we come in there, we hands on, we build it. And then when she comes back like three weeks later and then like another three weeks, like, hey, how are you doing? Like, okay, your lettuce is looking like a, a doctor's little, little visit type of Yeah, thing. it's like a literally like a checkup because once again, you know what? Your health is your wealth. Like, and I feel like that's something that we really like you just don't see um, sometimes and you just kind of like forget about it when you don't necessarily like have access to like healthy things. And it's really just kind of like, I'm just trying to eat, you know, right. just like I'm just Whatever trying to eat. Whatever is convenient. Yeah, I was like, and you just don't really necessarily realize that it's like a system that's like against you. It's like the people who can afford not to eat this stuff, like they're not just, they're not eating it. There's not like, oh, it's good, it's whatever. Like it doesn't matter. It's like no, like it definitely matters. Like why aren't there grocery stores in this neighborhood? Like why around my HBCU is it so hard to find like a, a like a good grocery store? I was just like, I don't right. understand this. Like. Yeah, and we've kind of talked about this before, right? Like, mm -hmm. I mean, you were talking about this in your HBCU experience that, like, HBCUs and neighborhoods that they're in also mm -hmm. says a lot about, like, the the how we view black people in the United States, right? Like, where mm -hmm. were these colleges, like, implemented? And I think that'd be an interesting study to do what food deserts look like around HBCUs yeah. Yeah. and, like, how much, like... Like, on average, how far does the HBCU student have to travel to get to a grocery store that sells, like, these things? Right. I was just like, I do not want to shop at Piggly Wiggly. Okay. <laughs> Is that really the name yes, of the Yes, literally the name of that grocery store. I've never, I am from Michigan. I have never seen nor heard of Piggly Wiggly until I got down there and they're like, oh yeah, you know, just go down to the Piggly Wiggly to get what, I, what am I getting from there? What am I eating up there? <laughs> Florida oh, is what? so wild. <laughs> I was like, what in the Florida? Like, Oh my God. Oh. So it's like they they recently built um, a Greenwise, which is essentially like Whole Foods, mm, like try co-op-y type. It's of... mm, it's not it's not a co-op. It's like you know it's like like Kroger. Like it's like oh, oh like Kroger, but then oh, Greenwise is like Whole Foods. Mm. So Greenwise is like Whole Foods and that whole like oh like organic very like bougie da 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 right. that kind of thing. Um, and literally, it's on like the other side of the tracks of FAMU, oh, where like right. FSU is. Is that like the more prominent like FSU is uh, oh. Florida State University? Okay. That yeah, yeah. So they're PWI, of course. So predominantly, predominantly white institution for those <laughs> yeah. who maybe didn't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who didn't know what that's for? Honestly. So 
it's wow. like really close to them. There's a couple of things that like kind of like cater to them, which I also find like uncomfortable. Like, oh, literally, there's like advertising was like they built a little mini Target, and it was like, oh, like your new FSU Target, and I was like, do you not want me to shop here? I'm just like I'm just confused. Like, why are you so hard catering towards them? Right. Why isn't there a grocery store? closer to like the back side of like family because the there's like it's like the train tracks are it's like the train tracks kind of separate fsu and family like literally you know that whole thing like oh the train tracks like the one side of the town right. like it's lit and it's literally like that so family's on one side and like the further back you know you go um you get like more and more like into the hood and i'd say that's where like the grocery stores are more like iffy or like they're harder to like find versus like right on the other side of the tracks you literally have like a green wise and i was like why are my options piggly wiggly or cross the tracks like right or the pub well, there's a Publix, but it's it's significantly farther i do not drive i do not have a car yeah, so like say, if you don't it's have significantly farther yeah it's not and we know that like public transportation and how that's set up is also systematically like meant mm-hmm. to serve the white folks right and, yeah like, after they decided to move back into the city mm-hmm. when they like left us from the city to the suburbs. Like, so. oh, we want to come back now. We want <laughs> it's cool now. It looks fun over there. It looks fun over there. What are y'all doing? You guys look like you're having fun over there. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no, man. Martha, you can't come over. <laughs> um, so given kind of what you're saying right now about um, growing hope in like the context of um, like communities leading that mm-hmm. and thinking about like yes. Florida. So like, do you feel like growing hope reflects the community of Ypsilanti? Like, do people, like, is it predominantly brown and, like, black people working in that organization? Or is it founded by white people? I'm just wondering. I do want to say I do believe it was founded by um, white women. I I do. I'm pretty sure about that. And a lot, a decent amount of the actual staff is definitely white women. Um, I believe when I'm sitting at the table during staff meetings, there may be two three um women of color and it's all you know it's also possible that some of them are white passing and i just That's like true. and i don't know but um but the actual team program there all of those kids are like from the community and majority of them are people of color and i feel like i really appreciate that because i see like i don't know like i see myself kind of like in them and i appreciate other people like looking out for them like I see them as kind of like oh like my little cousins and stuff like I'm glad somebody here is like looking out for you and like here for your (laughs) well-being trying to get them to eat fennel and stuff (laughs) but you know they won't eat this stuff when you pull it right out of the garden (laughs) they pull it right out the ground like here you go try this like oh girl I don't want to eat that yes eat it you need to learn about this eat this so no yeah I asked the question because I've heard also like when they build things like co-ops or like the store that you were talking about that's like Whole Foods, even if they build it in communities of color, like if they build one closer to um, FAMU, I've heard that often like the people who they employ in those stores are still like people from a different community, like white people. So it's like at the end of the day, like what's the point of, you know, doing sometimes programs like Growing Hope even or like opening up a grocery store closer to like a brown and black community when like the employer is going to be white or the community yeah. white and then it starts gentrifying, right? Like yeah. then you bring in more. It's almost like, like a little bit of almost like outsourcing, like, oh yeah, we're here to do, to do this, but we brought in like these people from this different area and then they, and they bring in their connects, you know, because eventually it's like, like a little nepotism, you know, just kind of like, oh yeah, you know, come on over, come on over. But I will say so far with growing hope, a lot of those people live in that area. That's good. Yeah. Like I think literally one of the, um, one of the women there like lives like a block over. And I was like, all right, I'm here for it. Like, there, 
they're pretty cool over there. I like it. <laughs> so, um, I guess you kind of talked about it a little with your grandfather, um, but what does gardening and farming mean to you and being able to do that this summer? Like, what does that bring up for you, if anything? Like, connection to your family or to your yeah. grandpa? Um, I feel like environmental science-wise, that I often, like, when I'm sitting there doing whatever they have me in the class Lab doing. Stuff. Right, when they have me in there trying to do some physics or something. <laughs> I was like, bro, I could have sworn this was environmental science, not math, but okay. <laughs> so, um, so I feel like this definitely let me express and experience a part of myself that I didn't necessarily have like the time to foster. That I was like, oh, okay, it's like I'm studying for all this stuff, but in the end, is this environmental science degree going to let me honestly be on a farm? I was like, will I be able to either, whether it's my own farm, a community farm, an urban farm that I've made like for the community, like whatever it is, like this was an aspect of myself that I hadn't been able to explore. So this internship has definitely given me the opportunity and it was going to be, it was going to be a sink or swim. I was going to get out, get out there and be like, um, no, excuse me. I need to be placed in uh, indoors. Something I know. I need to be indoors. (laughs) So it was either going to be like that or I was going to be like how I am now. Like, um, I miss my acrylics, my feet hurt, my hands hurt, my legs are sore, but I'm ready to go back tomorrow. Like... I think I really like overall what they're standing for and it almost feels a little bit like I'm able to on like a different plane um, connect like with my own ancestors and my relatives who grew up on a farm and you know they were like oh you know like now we're moving you know like moving away from that like oh we're no longer on the farm we've come to Detroit yeah we're in like the motor industry now like that's what we're doing and now we're becoming like doctors and such and such stuff like that but it's like it's important to be able to own to a degree um own in the air quotes like your own land you know like there's something i was reading about like your job isn't something you can pass on like Mm. that i was like i can't it's like okay i'm a teacher now once i die here you go son like now you're a teacher too like that's not how it works so i was like um it's like uh the entrepreneurship of it I really like like okay this is what I have and I can pass that on like land itself like this is what I have and I can pass that on and that's not always something I feel like POC have been able to do right especially black people right with the history yeah. of like owning land here in the US mm-hmm. sorry about like sharecropping and stuff like yeah you're working this land real hard but it's not yours so right. I think we, I'm only maybe i think maybe like three generations out of sharecropping i think my grandmother's where my i believe my grandmother's like parents they might have been like sharecroppers or like their grandparents were sharecroppers like i was like it's not i'm not far off so it felt good to like work land that was going back to communities of color and I could actually like see it. Like I see these kids taking this stuff home and be like, oh yeah, all right. I mean, some, uh, I can never say this vegetable rice, like 
Calabri or Calahabri. Like, one of the teams is always getting on me. Like, like why can't you say it right? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. Because it's like this purple thing. But it's like, it's fun. It's, it's a funky color. So, right. I like it. But um, You eat it? I thought you didn't eat funky colors. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like blues, all right? Okay. Like, blue, that's just like unnatural. It's weird. Like So, you don't eat blueberries either? No. Okay. I didn't know how degree of the blue that he was it like synthetic blue or just like natural. Mainly synthetic blue. I think it's like mainly like all, a lot of the synthetic colors. I don't the know if like my mind doesn't like it. It's just like it ooh. looks plasticky. Like it doesn't look real. <laughs> like things shouldn't look that way. Neon blue. Like I've never looked at the inside of a grape. It doesn't look like that. You know, it's not purple mm, inside. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. No, what you said also made me think of this professor. Um, I had in college. Um, Kristen French. They're a native woman, a black mm-hmm. woman, and they talk about how much they love that their daughter went to college to become a farmer, and she also mm-hmm. got, like, super excited about that, like, when she tells me about it, she's like, I just love that, like, they found their way back home, mm-hmm. almost, you know, like you said, with your ancestors, because I think, she yeah, she always talks to me about that, like, academia kind of made us go the long way to come back to our roots, mm-hmm. even though, like, there would have been easier ways, but because of, like, colonialism and like all these other things right like they kept us from knowing those parts of us and so like we had to go through school because really like that's what Mm -hmm. happened here like if it wasn't for Doris Duke and like this academic thing Mm -hmm. like you wouldn't have gotten this opportunity right so you had to go like the long way to come home to this (laughs) but it's worth it because like you said now you can pass that knowledge down yeah um do you feel like I mean just kind of going further with it do you feel like your racial or gender identity in this work um has impacted you in any way like or I guess do you see it with the youth that are black as well like how they react to you versus maybe some of the other people working on the farm I don't know how they feel but I feel like amongst like the teens that I feel like a level of like common ground and like solidarity that like I'm learning along with you I want you to be better we're gonna be be better we're gonna learn about this like almost like a together type thing and I feel like the people um on the farm like the actual like leadership is very aware of like the statistics and things that are like set against like the them and me like that these groups of people and that they are trying to be allies that they're trying to like inform them so that they don't just like that the system doesn't just like take them that they're like that that isn't what's going to happen for them like I'm not going to let that happen to you I'm going to inform you and I'm going to help you like as best I can I'm going to be there for you and advocate for you and I was like, I feel like I really appreciate that. I do think we probably mesh on like a, a little bit of a different level just because I feel like I can, like I have a cousin who like grew up in the same area as them. So I was like, okay, you know, we can relate about that. I'm more of a similar age to them than, you know, some of the other leadership. So and I think I also just kind of treat them kind of like their, my cousins. I was just like, that's just about where we are. We're all working out here. It's just like, sometimes it's just like yard work. Like, all right, only way to get through this is, you know, make some jokes. So now we're <laughs> out there joking around with the prop house. So I feel like you being one of the few black people in this, um, like, cohort of people working at Growing Hope, do you mm-hmm. feel like that impacts differently how you are experiencing this? Like, your identity as a black woman does that impact differently the work that you're doing i i think honestly honestly probably yes yes that when i'm working sometimes i like i was saying a little earlier about like the ancestral level that there was at one point we were like washing off like the collard greens and my grandfather i didn't realize how long ago like my grandfather passed because i feel like it feels like so fresh 
they like you look up and it's like it's been 10 years like what are you talking about like definitely was like what like three years ago something like that but um the other day when i was at my family reunion we kind of talked about like when people had passed and i didn't realize it's, i think it's been like seven or nine years like something like that and i was just like then why am i still like why can't i barely like talk about it without like like tearing up so it was actually like a time when i was like we were pulling like collard greens and it reminded me very much so like of him when he had like his his collard greens like in his backyard and then when we put them in um like the the tub of water to like rinse them release them of any like dirt or bugs or anything and i feel like that it almost seems like weird to say it was like a spiritual moment you're talking like, to the right person girl. you know i yes it was a spiritual moment i agree like washing those collard greens like i feel like i really was on um, like a different plane and i feel like i was kind of like laughing to myself a little bit just kind of like <laughs> like hello I, right like, like hey grandpa we watched this together yeah, like you're visiting like it's so good to see you and i feel like the other intern was probably a little like why are you smiling so hard <laughs> at those color greens girl like what's going on and i was just like they don't talk to you like, <laughs> i was like you can't hear what the color greens say girl like, my grandpa said hey <laughs> so I, I feel like, like, there's a level of kind of, like, that. Like, when I'm working, like, with the land, there's, like, certain, like, smells and things that remind me of of my grandfather or, like, my grandmother and, like, those kind of things. And then it takes me kind of beyond that of, like, my ancestors and the people who came before me working so hard to to make, like, the life that I have now, like, possible. I was watching those collard greens, girl, and I was like, all right. I was like, all right. <laughs> Is, do you feel like um, if you were to have future generations or maybe not your own, but, like, let's say, like, your siblings have kids mm-hmm. or whoever, do you, how do you feel like you want to transcend that forward now that you've kind of, like, come back to that, like, farming roots and those, like, mm-hmm. land roots? I think just, like, grow it. There's, um... There's leadership there who, like our children, um, like they come like to the farm and they're like working the farm and they, they're getting like pretty well versed in it, like from a young age, just because they've been like exposed to it. Right, and I was, like, they my, could walk. And yeah. I was like, one of them was like barely walking, I think. <laughs> so, so um, like my grandfather exposed me kind of like, just like lightly, like to his own like garden and then bringing, like creating like our garden. Like that was my exposure and that sparked like the interest in environmental science. And then from there, like just, just the curiosity about like so many things. I like it's, I feel like it's so important to like stay curious. So as far as the future generation goes within my own family, like fostering that in them. Like, oh, like, what is that? Like, what? L- let's go look at that. Let's touch that. Let's smell it. Let's maybe eat it. Like, there was something <laughs> I bit into at the farm today. I was like, can I bite this? And she was like, go ahead. It was very garlicky. My what breath was, was very, it was like, I can't remember what it's called. It's like the tip of, um, like, the garlic plant. Sometimes they're, like, really tender and you can cut them off, like, early and, like, saute oh. them up or whatever. It was not tender because it was time to harvest the garlic. So, I, I, it was, it was very garlicky. But now you know. Yeah. So, you learn. <laughs> So I think definitely fostering like a curiosity in in them is going to be like really important to me. Like okay, like getting like hands on and telling them like okay, like this is why this is important. Important. They're gonna be working the garden that I have in my backyard. So I think that because you just like sitting on the porch or something. Like, oh yes, go do that. <laughs> go come on, go thin the carrots. Come on now. Mm-hmm. All right, those those radishes should be just about ready now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yes, I'm here for that. 
So do you have anything else then to say, kind of going off of that with like farming as generational wealth? Is there anything that you hope for like, specifically I guess in this case the black community that really mm-hmm. takes on with like farming and kind of healing that relationship, right? Because like you said with sharecropping, like that's a negative experience mm-hmm. and like so many other forms of black people connect to the land. Like, is there something else in, a, in the greater community that you want to see for black people when it comes to farming and generational? I think I want to see more. I think just like straightforward, more people of color need to own like farms. They need to own like farms as much as you can own land, like work land, like that kind of thing. Because um, a part of Growing Hope is kind of like, like part of like their team program. I was able to like sit in on one of the things they were talking about was kind of about how many black farmers versus like white farmers over like the years had like lost their land like like no longer having a farm like not because oh i don't want to be on a farm anymore like you you can't be like we're taking your land for whatever reasons like and debt like or something. yeah like like debt like whatever it was like how many what percent of like black farmers had lost their land it was like a huge percentage i don't remember what the number was i probably blocked it out because i was just like what do you mean we lost as you know so like, <laughs> let me calm down so so i think just overall owning land to stop to stop some of the distribution of like the wrong things with um farming like the government subsidizes like certain foods to be like made and a lot of those foods are like those foods end up being like the really cheap foods and those really cheap foods are made into some other really cheap stuff and then that's what we're fed like all these you know lower income communities poc like that's what you end up being fed so those white farmers are paid by the government to produce this thing whatever food it is it's a lot of like corn rice a lot of that stuff and um and so then it's made like into these products that are cheap for us to eat so if there were more farmers of color who were saying you know what no i don't want to produce these things that you keep subsidizing or oh let's subsidize different things right like culturally know? relevant things. yeah so it's like let's, let's subsidize some things that aren't going to go back into my community like and make us sick, essentially. I was like, I was like, it's crazy to think that like food can make you sick. That I mean, you really just grow up like I'm eating. What do you mean? Like I'm trying to survive. I'm eating. I'm. You think like you're like nourishing your body, but in reality, it's like you're not. It was like a was it the thing about like Americans being like obese but not having because they're eating things that don't have like any nutritional value. Right, and portions are also ridiculous. Yeah. Big. <laughs> like, we can't say we be but it's true but like, like you just like it becomes a norm mm-hmm. i was just like but eating things that you know will actually nourish your body i was like we're not you know eating like bulk amounts of like um like cheetos and like hot pockets and all this stuff where it's just like sometimes that's all you have access to and i was like and how can anyone be mad at you for like eating things that you can get access to that are the piggly wiggly that you know so and like, even at schools it doesn't help because then you mm-hmm. you could say like oh well at least at school i'll get access to fruits and vegetables but like that shit's mm-hmm. also like frozen like mm-hmm. super dehydrated like you know it's not even the mm-hmm. real thing yeah. it goes mm-hmm. like those uh the corporations it's like oh well they're like okay this company is coming in to like make the food for your school and it'd be the same companies that are making food for the prisoners and i was like okay why does me being in jail okay that's a whole nother thing why does me being in jail mean that i don't 
don't have access to edible food. Like, why? What does that have to do with anything? I was like, I'm not less than human just because I've been in prison. Like, that's not, that's not a thing. Not that I've been in prison, but people who've been Is in prison. Is it Airmark that's at y'all's school, too? Do you know? It's not. It's not. I think it's, uh, I think. Okay, because. I mean, this, this podcast does not support any of these <laughs> that are feeding. But yeah, no, because I know at my school that was like one of the big moves that people were doing. It was like shredding the contract with what you're talking exactly. Yeah, like, I was like, I want us. I was like, I want us to stop. I was like, I bet it costs way more than hiring some actual cooks from the community to go in there and cook. Yeah. And I'm tired of what they be serving. So, <laughs> so I'm over that. Yeah. I don't. I think I went off on a tangent. We'll no, sure. that's good. But um, okay, so. It's, kind of like a final question because I was thinking about this because I, I often forget what your school's like name stands for because mm-hmm. I just hear I just say FAMU but mm-hmm. with the agricultural part do you feel like this what you had just been talking about like black people getting into farming and like owning land and like kind of having a healthy relationship with that do you feel mm-hmm. like that's something that's brought up at all your HBCU being like an agricultural school or is that not really like part of the like narrative there Oh, please believe at Florida Agricultural and Mechanical University. Okay, founded October 3rd, 1887. <laughs> okay. That no, that's definitely something that like we focus on. It's it's one of the it's definitely it's one of the majors that we focus on in like agribusiness and like that kind of thing. It's definitely a large aspect of the university. I believe they're very proud to to have that part like in their name as well. I do not know as much about it because the school environment the School of Environment isn't within their agricultural. agricultural sector. It's not, yeah. So is agriculture like under like a general science like college, you know, or just like? I think there's actually like different like, like breakdowns of it. it's like there's like agribusiness. Uh, there's like, and then I believe there's like agricultural sciences, which is like agronomy, and right. I think I think entomology might be within that, that one sense. as well. Yeah, yeah. But I like environmental science. Um, usually focuses like. This is like sometimes like a lot of lab stuff. It's almost like, oh, you know, you're going to go maybe like work into a lab or maybe for um like Noah, like those kind of things, which right. is a little different than like a like food, like connected yes, food. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. Why can't I have it all? You know, at this point, I've been deprived of so much. Why can't I have it all? Yes, true. Yeah. Why? Who's to tell me that I can't have what I want? So. <laughs> I'm working out. We're gonna figure out how I'm gonna blend this all together. Okay. Too. I mean, that's what they said grad school's for. But you know, we're also we're also thinking about that. Oh, I don't know the schooling. Yeah. I don't know about the work school now. I know. I just need a mental break. You know, that's important. Yes. Oh. Yes. People of color, black people deserve rest too. Mm-hmm. So, if that means waiting on grad school, then we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> High key deserve rest, okay. POC even working real hard, okay. And it's like it's like like I don't know why everyone wants to paint this picture. Well, not everyone, I guess like the current majority wants to paint it as like that we are not out here working hard. I was like POC works hard every day, okay. Whether you want to believe it or not, we're coming for your neck. And let's just be real. <laughs> let's just let's just be real, okay. That's why you're scared because. You set up all these obstacles and people are jumping over them, jumping over them, diving underneath them, knocking them over. And you're scared because like, oh, no, I set up all these things for me to be better. You're like, oh, no, like, eh. not enough. that is enough of that flowers blooming from the concrete that you didn't even water, that you stomped on. And now we're rising and you're scared. Mm. There it is. Period. <laughs>
Well, I was going to say, do you have any other more inspirational words? <laughs> I feel like that was a whole inspiration in itself. That's that on that. That's all I got to say. That. And I think, as you said at the beginning, you know, health is generational wealth. Mm-hmm. Farming is generational wealth. Yeah. Um, and I'm excited to see where you go with this. I'm going to say stay <laughs> friends with you and see how you take farming in a different place. Um, and I'm just excited for what this is going to come out of and all the healing that you've been doing with your grandfather through this <laughs> summer. Um, yeah, anything else you want to say before we close off? No, no. Thank you for having me. I will update you in my letters that are wax sealed. Yes. Oh, my God, y'all. Alexa <laughs> sends, like, wax sealed letters. I love it. I need to step on my letter-sending game from all, because Alexis has shown me another level. I know. I'm going to start sending you, like, packages. <laughs> I like that. I'll send you a send you a Gatorade. <laughs> Gatorade. I'm waiting for my FAMU gear. Can I wear one even though I'm not part of FAMU? <laughs> I like your visor. We appreciate all support. It's like we all need more support. POC. Forever. No. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, y'all, for listening to Raises Verdes, a podcast for healing our relationship to the earth as people of color. To stay updated on future episodes um, and connect with us, visit us on Instagram, Nuestras Raices Verdes, website, NuestrasRaicesVerdes.com, where you can listen to episodes as well, or SoundCloud, Nuestras Raices Verdes. Thank you.